Welcome to the Muni Lowdown. My name is Paul Graves, and I'm the managing editor for Debtwire Municipals. Joining me today are my colleagues, Mary Ellen Ty, our assistant editor, and our head of municipal research, Greg Clark. So every week, our goal is in 20 minutes or less to tell you what's been going on in the municipal market and what's coming up. This week, we start off with state budgets. A few state budgets that are in limbo, some closer to resolution than others, and we're going to segue from there into specifically talking about the state of Illinois and where things stand there. But Mary Ellen, give us an overview on state budgets. Thanks, Paul. There were 11 states that didn't have a budget passed when the fiscal year for them started on July 1st. Illinois, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Pennsylvania, Oregon, Rhode Island, Wisconsin, Delaware, Maine, Minnesota, and New Jersey. Since then, Delaware, Maine, Minnesota, and New Jersey have passed budgets. However, the remainder are still working on it. Wisconsin is working to address a shortfall in transportation funding, but for context, the last bi- they do biannual budgets. The last one was also two weeks late. Um, Rhode Island is operating under fiscal year 17 appropriations as the um, Senate and the House work to figure out the phase out of a, a car tax. Oregon does their biannual budget through bills. Uh, most of them have been approved, but one reflecting the state's hiring practices is still being negotiated. Uh, Pennsylvania has a spending bill, but not a revenue plan. And I think that that's really comical because I could come up with a spending bill without a revenue plan for pretty much any facet of my life. Then Massachusetts is operating under a one-month interim budget as they continue to negotiate the full fiscal 18 budget. And Connecticut, the last one I'm going to talk about before I pitch this over to Greg, is operating under an executive order signed by the governor to authorize limited spending. Um, They're trying to figure out how to close the budget gap projected in the 2018-2019 biannual budget. Thanks, Mary Ellen. Just as an aside, we were talking last week about whether any of us could ever, ever remember this many states not having a budget at the end of the fiscal year, beginning of the next fiscal year. And uh, none of us, none of us could. I, I've been doing this kind of work for quite a while through I don't know how many recessions, and I've never seen a situation where 11 states didn't have a budget. Either revenues are not rebounding uh, still, or spending is going up by more than expected, or both. I don't know. I don't. I don't know the state picture on a macro basis well enough to to judge that. But in any event. Let me talk a little bit about Illinois now. And we did last week's uh, podcast, we, I should say, I expected the, uh, the state that if it didn't have a budget by, end, by the end of the day on Friday, June 30th, that the rating agencies would take action on Illinois and lower them to below investment grade. Well, they didn't have a budget on Friday the 30th, but rating agency action apparently was forestalled. We're not sure that this was the reason, but the Illinois Speaker of the House, Madigan, sent each rating agency a letter on that day, the 30th, asking them, quote, to defer any further opinions relative to the credit rating of the state until we've had sufficient time to finalize our budget making. Following that, on the 30th, 
the House passed a budget, 72 to 45. That raised $5 billion in new revenue, primarily from hikes in the personal and corporate income tax. The budget, though, as, as it was adopted by the House, does not fully pay down the $15 billion in accounts payables or address or come anywhere close to addressing the state's unfunded pension liabilities. After the passage of the House bill, S&P took what I think was the unusual step of saying that the passage of tax and spending legislation by the Illinois House represented, quote, a meaningful step toward the enactment of a comprehensive budget. On the same day, July 3rd, this past Monday, Fitch published a similar comment citing the state's, quote, concrete progress, end quote, on reaching a budget. Now, the reason I say this was unusual is because it, it's unusual for a rating agency to comment on a budget while it's in process. And I think it's, it's when, when you think of the way state legislatures and governors are supposed to work, it was only, the, the budget bill was only passed by one house of the legislature. It still had to pass the second house and get the governor's approval. So it, it all seemed premature to me. In any event, on Tuesday, the 4th of July, the Illinois Senate approved the budget. And at that point, it was sent to the governor who vetoed everything. Later the same day, 4th of July, the Senate overrode his veto with a 36 to 19 vote. On July 5th, yesterday, Moody's put Illinois GOs under review for possible downgrade following the state's failure to enact the budget. Moody's decision incorporated its expectation that the legislature will override the governor's vetoes and raise taxes. So Moody's is saying even if they adopt the Senate and House budget over the governor's veto, we still think we're going to lower the rating because of the fact that there's no progress in the whole thing on uh, accounts payable, or I should say insufficient progress on lowering the amount of accounts payable and addressing the budget problems. Part of the plan to address the accounts payable is to issue billions of dollars in bonds. And of course that would be done at investment, barely investment grade or below investment grade ratings. Then, you realize how ridiculous that sounds, right, Greg? Yeah, yeah. It's, they have $15 billion in for the audience. Just, just put this in perspective. Yeah. They have $15 the, the billion in unpaid vendor uh, accounts or, you know, however you want to phrase it. So that's one thing. And then they have, what, $7 billion in pension liabilities. Um this all just seems very odd to me. I mean, uh, it seems like if they didn't have a budget by June 30th, they should have been downgraded because anything that was going to happen after that was was just going to be a short-term fix. It wasn't going to deal with any of the long-term structural problems. And it's almost like S&P and Fitch, maybe they didn't mean it, but it was almost like they were cheerleading, and it's just they should be just calling balls and strikes. Did you pass a budget? What was in the budget? Now you get credit for progress? Yeah, I, I agree, because they, they kind of painted themselves into a corner, I thought, uh, Fitch and S&P, by saying that they like the plan when I can't see where they had enough time to analyze it. I, I think what probably happened was that 
they wanted to give the state a little bit more time. They needed to come up with a reason to give them more time. And uh, the House, by passing that, by passing the bill, gave them a reason to not act. Because I also think the rating agencies don't want to lower a state to non-investment grade if they don't have to. So I, I think they're, I'm, I'm reading minds here a little bit, but I, I think that they uh, are trying to not have to do that. So the, the, the latest is that the uh, House was supposed to meet today. Today is uh, Thursday, the 6th. Greg, you're blowing you our cover this? that I we know. record these a day ahead of time. <laughs> well, in order to make this, in order to make this. You can't this, this any better, what you're about to say, in terms of why there wasn't a vote. Yeah. Um, in, in order to make the comment, I've kind of got to give ourselves away that uh, it's, it's uh, Thursday afternoon, and by now the, the House was supposed to vote on whether to override the governor's veto. If they do that, then the state will have a budget. But there was some kind of problem at the Capitol with, with white powder, so they've um, evacuated everybody, as I understand, and we don't know now when the vote is going to occur. So that's, that's where we stand right now. By the time people hear this, this broadcast, maybe it'll be cleared up, but who knows? They do have a bonus hour being an hour behind us True. in uh, Illinois there. Yeah, uh, between that and what happened with Governor Chris Christie, and uh, he was made uh, infamous uh, this week with being caught on a beach, uh, the government beach that was shut down, and him and his family were out there hanging out. Um, and there's a picture of him. <laughs> He didn't get any sun, Paul. <laughs> right, he said he didn't get any sun. Well, I mean, that was like besides the point. Um, I, I guess I guess people are calling it Beachgate. Yeah, they are. Um, and it's 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 one of these things where it's it's not an issue with the governor going to the beach. It was that there was a shutdown in place because there was a stalemate and. To be on that beach, I mean, you're just like thumbing. I mean, I think they had to relocate uh, fireworks, uh, you know, that, that was going to happen that night on one of those beaches. I mean, the other the other residents couldn't go to the beach. And Governor Christie's response was that, well, it was part of, you know, the, gover the governor's property and he had the right to go to the beach. So it just seemed very tone deaf. I mean, if you're going to be a public servant, that's... It's just not something you want to get caught into, but that's where we are. So his approval rate is at 15%, so I'm guessing it's going to go lower um, with all the attention that's gotten. But there's more for us to talk about. I mean, last week, Mary Ellen, when we held our podcast, you were in San Juan, and you had just finished listening and reporting from the Title III hearing. And then on Friday there was a meeting of the oversight board. So fill us in on what happened there. Thanks, Paul. Yeah, the two big takeaways from the oversight board meeting was the approval of a fiscal year 18 budget for Puerto Rico that included, for the general fund, that included no money for debt service. Nice. Yeah. That should work well. Yeah, goose egg is always a um, great starting point for negotiations. Um, but it 
did include PAYGO pension funding, which has been an incredibly contentious point with pension bondholders because uh, Puerto Rico has argued that as it is now going PAYGO, it doesn't need to route the money through the retirement system the way it did before to pay bondholders. So that'll be interesting. Um, the other big takeaway from the oversight board meeting was the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, which has been negotiated for years. We've talked about this, I think, probably every week, that everyone seems to like the PREPA deal except for the board who rejected it and by the end of the weekend had filed the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority for a Title III restructuring um, after telling everyone at the board meeting on Friday that they were looking at continuing negotiations. So that was a little awkward. Um, and then the next, the next day, Saturday morning, in the Wall Street Journal, they had an op-ed saying they wanted to privatize the utility. So we'll see what happens there. That, that whole thing just does not do much for their credibility. Yeah, it's almost like um, like they thought that maybe people wouldn't ask them about it or I don't know. I would love to know the logic on that sequence of events. See, you're assuming that there was logic there. This is all this is all very complicated. You know, you, you, know, you just need a little longer to understand. They know exactly what they're doing down there. So, hey, I give it a little while. I assume that there is a logic and a plan. I just don't know. I don't quite understand what it is. It's difficult to divine. <laughs> it's not the one I would have come up with. Um, but that wasn't the only thing going on in Puerto Rico. Well, in Puerto Rico news, uh, earlier this week in Boston, there was a hearing that one of our colleagues went to regarding the sales tax. And the big question for the sales tax bondholders has been whether or not there's been an event of default, and if that event of default has been cured, and what was it? So one of the judges there has asked the parties to settle on like a list of characters that will be subject to discovery, and a list of what categories of information they're looking for. And she said the initial discovery is going to go back to February 15th of 2017, some of the bondholders want Discovery to go all the way back to 2015. So it'll be really interesting to see where that ends up. And for those that aren't as familiar, Marianne, who's the judge in this case? Judge Dean. Um, she's in Boston. And she was appointed by Judge Laura Taylor Swain, who's overseeing the entire case, to sort of deal with this particular question of when or if the COFINA bonds entered default prior to there being a Title III filing? Well, with Puerto Rico, the one thing you can always count on is follow the money. So before the Puerto Rico Electric Power Authority, RSA, just got blown to smithereens, coincidentally enough, Greenberg Charlie got a very healthy contract for two weeks from June 16th to June 30th. Nothing against them. I mean, it's fine for them, but it kind of explains everything that happened uh, because they were brought in, I believe it was for a million dollars. So it was something pretty significant. And it, it looks like either it was the contingency plan or it was the plan to blow up the RSA because uh, they were coming in to help work with that. So... Busy two uh, weeks. 
by the way, we just found out today that they were also retained as restructuring counsel for the state of Connecticut. So when one contract ends, well, when one door closes, another one opens. Is that the saying? So looks like Greenberg Toronto is doing all right for themselves. Yeah, good luck fixing the, uh, the budget gap there. Unfortunately, that kind of work is a growing business. Yes, it is. And it, it's just symptomatic of what seems to be going on across the country is just whether it's nobody wants to make difficult decisions or because of political, uh, different political philosophies that people are kind of hardened in their positions and there's no room for compromise. Uh, it's not really clear, uh, but it's, yeah, we're in a tough place across the country trying to deal with a lot of problems where there's no good answers because the answers are service cuts, tax increases, or some combination of both um, because the economy has not recovered the way it has in, or after, I should say, previous recessions. So uh, we're in a very tough place in terms of how do you make this all work. Uh, so we'll see how this continues to play itself out and it's something that we'll definitely be monitoring across the entire market. But we hope you enjoyed this episode of the Beauty Lowdown and we'll talk to you next week. Take care.